this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on when Jesus became furious and was grieved by hard hearts. How did Jesus model emotional maturity in those moments? The focus scripture is from Mark 3, 1-6. This conversation was recorded in August of 2023. Our mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. To learn more about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. Join the conversation. So Mark 3, 1 through 6. Uh, will be our text, and I'm going to be reading it out of the voice translation, which is one of my favorites. Soon, the Pharisees had another chance to confront Jesus. So on the Sabbath, Jesus had come into the synagogue where he saw a man with a withered hand. And the implication is that it wasn't a birth defect, that something had happened, and that maybe even he was a stonemason, and maybe he'd he'd had an accident there. And the Pharisees held their breath, wondering, would Jesus cure the man on the Sabbath, right there in front of everybody? And if so, that would give them a great opportunity to charge Jesus with breaking the Sabbath law. Now, just stop there for a moment. Can you imagine wanting to find a reason to charge Jesus for breaking the Sabbath law? I mean, aren't we fortunate to be able to look back at Jesus from our perspective rather than than right in the moment when you didn't know who Jesus was? Uh, It's just fascinating to me. And, And so Jesus knew what was in their hearts. He knew they were trying to trap him. And in the synagogue, in front of everybody, he called the man with the withered hand over to him and says, come, come to me. And then he turned to the people, which included all these Pharisees, and, and he asked a question. Do our laws tell us to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Do our laws tell us it's more important to save a life or to snuff it out? And what's interesting to me is, and the people remain completely silent. It's fascinating to me, and I've seen this multiple times in churches, that people will disagree with us. And they'll look to make us look bad or maybe even run us out of a position. And yet when they get confronted head on, they won't say anything. So let's use faith walking language. In their anxiety, they either become paralyzed or they distant from the situation. But they won't talk about it one on one. So they remain silent. And here's here's what it says. And Jesus became furious. Jesus got angry. And he he looked out over the crowd. And while while he was angry, he was also grieved by their hard heart. So our grief is one of the leading causes of anger. How could anyone care so much about the words of the law 
and yet so little about the spirit of it. And I want to ask that question every day to Christians. How in the world can we get so caught up in, in the letter of the law and miss the spirit of the law? How can we so miss what I believe is the clear teaching of Jesus that mercy, compassion, and love are more important than accuracy of belief? So Jesus said to the man, so be it. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched out his hand. And when he did, it was completely healed. So the man was restored to wholeness physically in that moment. The Pharisees, again, didn't say anything to Jesus. But what they did is then they, they ran from the synagogue to consult with the supporters of Herod, the Herodians, the, 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 the Roman loyalists, about how they could get rid of this dangerous dreamer. Because recognize what Jesus was teaching was contrary to what they believed was the word of God. And in hindsight, as we look back, we can say, oh, well, follow Jesus. That's who we follow. Yeah, but for them, this meant to, to stop believing what they believed all their life and believe something different. We are going to talk about this more next week as well. But, I, but here's what I want to highlight. I believe that Jesus came to present a different way people, a different way than life was typically lived in that day. And, and here 2,000 years later, we still haven't embraced that way very well. It's, it's the way of Jesus. It's the way of the kingdom. And it's in stark contrast to, in this story, the religious leaders. The religious leaders missed it. So I believe, and, and there's a lot of ways to say it, but I believe Jesus came to, to hold up a mirror for people and say to them, the way of power, the way of controlling other people, and the way of violence is not the way of the kingdom. The way of hate, the way of being angry at people who don't believe what you believe, that's not the way of the kingdom. That the way of the kingdom in this story is Jesus breaking Sabbath laws because healing a man, having compassion for a man, having mercy for a man, restoring wholeness to a man, a person, was more important than religious legalism and religious rules. So I think all of that's in this story, and I think it's really powerful. It's fascinating to me that nobody was emotionally mature enough to engage in dialogue. I said this statement last week. I'm going to say it again because I believe it deeply, and I believe it's evidenced in this story. Here's what I believe, folks. I believe that anxious people who tend to be controlling people when they get anxious, 
So in other words, the only way I can feel safe is when everything goes my way. When Let's say it this way. The only way I can feel safe is when everybody believes exactly the way I believe. When anxious people who tend to be controllers don't get their way, they don't get what they want, they become evil people. So I believe the Pharisees weren't evil at their heart. I believe they really, they were sincere. They, they really wanted to honor God. Uh, but, but they got distracted along the way. And I believe Jesus made them anxious. And out of their anxiety, they determined that they, uh, well, so, so think about it. We totally disagree with this guy. We think he's leading people astray. And, and the only way to shut him up is to kill him. Now, I think if you had polled those Pharisees before Jesus ever showed up, not one of them would ever say, I would ever consider murdering somebody. But they got anxious and, and, and became manipulative. And they, they weren't getting what they wanted, and their anxiety increased, and out of their anxiety, they, they chose violence. And, and that's one of the things that Jesus came to say is not my way. The way of violence is not my way. Here's what I believe, folks. Jesus' death on the cross, the religious, so the death on the cross feels like violence wins. But resurrection says violence doesn't win. That the way of hate, the way of violence, the way, the way, whatever that is. Uh, okay, that's a story for another time. Now, one final story. Tomorrow I've got I've got an anger seminar. I'm really excited about it. And guess what? When this verse of scripture says Jesus got furious, it's one of only two places in the New Testament where the scripture tells us Jesus got angry. Fascinating, isn't it? So what did Jesus do with his anger? Jesus was furious. And he was grieved. And so Jesus attacked the Pharisees and put them in their place and showed them how wrong they were. No, no, that's not what he did. Wait. Wait, that's what I want to do. When I get angry, I want to tell people off. I want to put them in their place. I want to use verbal violence to vindicate myself. Jesus didn't do any of that. So here, here's what I deeply believe, folks. I believe Jesus modeled emotional maturity in this moment. He managed his anger. He had it but he didn't react out of it. So what did he do? I, I think there are two things that he did here. First of all, he, he didn't allow his anger to stop him. How often does our anger stop us? We, we let it stop us from doing what we know is right, what we know we ought to be doing, and it, but it stops us. Jesus didn't let his anger stop him. It didn't, it, it, and he, he didn't let his anger control him. 
He didn't get all caught up in the anger and managing his emotions and everybody else's emotions. He, he didn't notice he didn't take responsibility for, for these religious leaders and what they were feeling or what they, what he did was he stayed focused on his mission and his purpose. And one of the pieces of his mission, I believe, a key piece is restoring wholeness to people's lives. And he restored wholeness to the man's hand in front of everybody else. Now, here's another fascinating thing. He healed a guy right in front of all these people, and it didn't impact them in the least. How is that possible? And yet when we're anxious, what do we get? Stupid. And they were anxious, and they were stupid, and their anxiety showed up as anger, and they reacted out of their anger without thinking, and eventually put Jesus to, to death. Jesus, on the other hand, re responded out of his best thinking by not allowing his anger to control him, by staying focused on his mission, and by being differentiated and moving forward. I think it's a great example. It's a great Jesus models for us again. How do you manage anger in a healthy way? So that's what I got to say about that. What's that stir up for you? What would you like to talk about? What questions does it raise? Judith. Let's see. There. Um, I was at a Bible study Wednesday night and we looked at this passage. So I get it twice in a week. Wow. Um, and yeah, and, and consistent message. So this is good. Um, one of the things that, that came out Wednesday night that I thought was really interesting, if we remember who the Pharisees were and who the Herodians were, they were not allies. Typically. Correct. Correct. Um, I mean, the Herodians were the Jews that were trying to follow Herod so they could be accepted by the Romans. And the Pharisees, of course, were the Jews trying to follow their law. But in the midst of this crisis, even enemies are inclined to join together against something. Yeah. And that, that shows how strongly they felt about this. Um, and I think we see it in, in our lives today a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when when we get highly anxious, we tend to herd together with anybody that will agree with whatever it is we're against. Right. Uh, even people that normally, and I think we see that today politically, in, in America exactly. particularly. People, yep. groups of people will come together and you think, how did those people come together? Well, it's because they have one common enemy. Yep. And that's why they came together. Yeah, good. Go ahead, yep. Judith. No, that's that's the big yeah. thing that I had to say. All right, good. Well, it's good, Jerry. I am always Im impressed, maybe surprised, at the power of curiosity, mm -hmm. and and the ability to pause for a second and in one's own mind to be able to um, ask 
questions and to kind of set aside one's own thinking and and recognize that there is a there's a different way here that I need to learn about, not necessarily agree with, mm-hmm. but but to ask questions, to attempt to understand. And also that curiosity and that question asking process um, diffuses yeah. people's anger, yeah. anxiety, and and things kind of ratchet down. But curiosity is, man, that's important. Yeah. And we, and we lose it when we become so entrenched in our thinking and when we also only get feedback from like-minded yeah 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 i love that jerry i love the way you said it uh at the very beginning the power mm-hmm. that's in curiosity and and so it becomes an option when i i can react out of my anxiety without thinking or i can think and and one of the tools in the toolbox of thinking is pull pull curiosity out even when i'm anxious if i could start being curious even when i'm anxious even when i well but i don't know what to ask well just ask ask something get curious because Curiosity will get our thinking going, which will enable us to manage our anxiety in more healthy ways. And even if you just say, tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to come up with a brilliant question. You can just say, tell me more. Right. Which, Which here's what that stirs for me, Jerry. It stirs for me. You don't even have to be curious. You just have to exercise the curiosity muscle, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. I I, I really don't want to know, but okay. I, here's what I know will help me. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. Good. So, I, if I may, because you know I'm so silent. Um, Ken, there was a week you weren't here, and we had another leader, um, and my brother-in-law was staying with me. Was anyone here for that call? My brother-in-law, he kind of popped in. So um, I went with my husband on this big vacation to visit his family. And half his family are atheists and half his family are turbo Christian, as I call them. Um, And the atheists, very kind people, but the turbo Christians, not so much. And they have this theory about like the earth has only existed for 10,000 years and Mm-hmm. blah 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 and I was like why does that matter I don't even know okay fine um but one of the things that module one taught me thank you Ken was what if they're right and so I sat there and thought to myself what if they're right and if they're right I don't want to go to heaven but <laughs> I don't think they are um and it's it's that I think that's exactly what you're saying Jerry what if they're right like just that stopping from being combative and saying okay mm-hmm. and so I asked about you know well what does that mean and because I I still don't understand it at all mm-hmm. um, but it means something to them 
you know, that the earth mm-hmm. has only been around for 10,000 years. And I was like, okay, why? I mean, you know, I don't understand. I still don't understand, no matter how much they tried to explain it. And I think they just thought I was stupid, which is okay. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it, it, it's funny because I guess for me, the first lesson um, I was able to put into action was that curiosity piece of what if they're right? Um, I don't think they're right, um, mm-hmm. but I had to ask. And and another way of asking that question for me, Jean, is is there anything that they're saying that's right? Right. That that will help. I can learn. uh, Yeah. Or what or what you said. Okay. Even if I disagree with them, why is this so important to them? Yeah. What What's the thing? So it's important to them enough that it makes them anxious. Yeah. Yeah. So why are they anxious about it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, all of that just, it helps us. And it, yeah. yeah. And it's something, I know, and I know it's something about like creationism or Darwin. Yeah, or, it, it, know, yeah it's, it's about that. It's about, it's like about the Genesis, it's about the Genesis account of yeah. creation and right. making it a scientific formula. Right. That's and what it, it's about. And it's, it's about taking a, a it's making, it's like, it's not what we're talking about right now, right? Make, taking this law or taking it as dogma or, you know. Right. Not, that's not the intention. To me, most of the Bible is a story to teach you something. It's a parable. It's not a, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the earth was created in six days. To me, it might to you guys. That's great. Good on you. But to me, not even the point, right? The mm-hmm. point is, Earth, there mm-hmm. I God made me. You know that's mm-hmm. and that's, that's all I need. <laughs> yeah, maybe more the people that need more. So, yeah, good. So I think I think the message uh, in in all of that for me is curiosity is a tool in the toolbox, and curiosity is a choice. I can choose to pull that tool out of the toolbox when I get anxious. Thank you, Jerry. I'm going to use that tomorrow. I'm adding that to my presentation. Thank you. Um, one of the few things struck me on this, Ken, and it's quite interesting. Um, I think it was uh, Judith that raised the issue with the, scri- with the scribes and the Pharisees and all the politics. Um, I recently fell behind with, my, with the daily readings. Um, I'm trying to read the Bible in chronological order. And I ended up reading quite extensive blocks of Jeremiah, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the prophet, and I think there was Ezekiel as well, they're 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 talking about keeping the Sabbath and the you know the thing the, the deliberate rules that they knew that they were breaking. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's one section, and I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm going to be uh, speaking now about Malachi. This really struck me uh, yesterday because the the, scri- the the Pharisees in particular they were concerned, I think, particularly 
uh, and maybe I'm simplifying this on the Ten Commandments. You know, you got to keep mm -hmm. the Sabbath. You've got to do this. Um, you know, don't commit. You know, the, the full ten. But it's interestingly the number of times. Let me just pull this up. Uh, and and th this was this is quite fascinating. Um, it's uh, this is Malachi three five. Now, some of it's quite clear. Uh, so God, God said, I will come and put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, those that lie under oath, the defrauders um, uh, of their wages. Now, here's the thing. Those who oppress widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear you, but do not fear me. And it's as if, the, I believe the prophets in particular um, were regularly emphasizing uh, justice and kindness and right behavior and the way mm -hmm. that you treat people. Mm -hmm. um, um, but it's not, I, I, I might be wrong on this, but I don't think it's codified in the law. There's not an 11th commandment that says you will be kind to the stranger. Mm -hmm. But the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, Pharisees in particular, were concerned about no, uh, because of what happened in the exile. We must make sure that you know the Sabbath is really the big thing. Uh, we don't really have to be kind to people as long as we keep in the, right. the, the you know the rules and the regulation. And it it's not an either you know it, it's both. I mean, when I was when I was brought up, it was like I could do. I could do such certain things on the Sunday. Now we can argue is that Sabbath or not, but there were certain things I could do on a certain day, and there were other things I couldn't do. So mm -hmm. you'd go to the shop, and there were certain articles that you could buy, but there there was a section of the shop that was completely shut off because you couldn't buy it, and that that somehow meant that it was it 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 gave the appearance of holiness. You know, you're 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 doing the right thing, um, and it's it's this whole thing. Like you know, as long as we're keeping, as long as we're doing this thing right, I can be as unkind to the stranger, the foreigner, the asylum seeker, mm -hmm. as long as I'm keeping the law. Um, whereas Jesus cuts right across that, mm -hmm. um, and it's something I I often mention when we're when we're in our in, when we pray for Muslims and uh, the different people. And it always fascinates me how Jesus moved with ease between, I mean, he has a conversation with Nicodemus. He has a conversation with a woman who's an outcast uh, from society. He has a conversation with a Roman centurion and, and, mm -hmm. he, and heals a servant. He has uh, a conversation uh, with with the beggar in the, with 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 the beggar right across society, and he's focused on uh, the individual. He's interpersonal with them, whereas the Pharisees uh, and I think how can I say religion right across the board. Whether you're maybe uh, and this is the challenge. Maybe whether we're coming from a Christian's perspective, you know the rules that are put in place. Or whether you're talking about the Shahira law of the Muslim or the different rules. Mm -hmm. As long as we keep the rules, we're okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
but the, the thing is, certainly as you find that one particular uh, group may have a different set of rules. And mm-hmm. but all t- but together, they're not the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- that that's the thing that, that that strikes me. And the thing was as well, uh, and I don't know if you correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's a an incident in, I think it's Exodus or Numbers where the Lord comes down and something had happened. My memory escapes me. And he says, and God got really angry. He, he got furious and he says, look, just wait until I, I'm going to deal with you in a moment. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, he has a dialogue with Moses and the, the people of Israel say, well, hang on. Okay, Moses, you speak to God. <laughs> right. You know, right. got, you know, the, the Lord's really ticked off. You know, he's, he really, you know, you speak to you speak to the Lord, and yet you, you right. speak to us, but we don't want to deal with it directly. Right. Um, so there's that furious anger, mm-hmm. that or that righteous anger that comes that comes along, and I just think sometimes it's how I'm asking the question here. I mean, how intentional are we? in being kind over and above keeping a particular religious law yeah yeah uh, and and john i think i think that's the contrast jesus came to make yeah you're all wrapped up in and and you think you equate spirituality you think you equate being pleasing to god with obeying the rules and so when people disobey the rules Oh my gosh, we've got to reject those people. We've got to hate those people because they they're making it bad for everybody. That's the religious way. And I find many people who call themselves Christians behaving in that exact same way today. It's all about the rules. It's all about believing scripture properly. It's all about interpreting passages of scripture properly. It's all about aligning and obeying God. And it seems really clear that Jesus came and he broke a lot of the rules himself. And he said, the the most important way is the way of love. And how challenging that is. Well, it can't be that easy. I mean, that's what I hear people say. Well, 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 well you're, you're just about liberal grace. No, no I'm just about listening to Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting up. What else? Who else has got a word on this? Brenda? Well, as I expressed earlier that I've, this has been a lot of anger flying around this home front, um, I had I, I caught myself like shaming myself, blaming myself just, just for having the emotion of anger. Mm-hmm. But then I had to remind myself, I've had to really, I guess, coach myself and be angry, sin not, be angry, sin not. I want to be the point at the point where I'm just not angry. I don't want to mm-hmm. be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things I was discussing with uh, the doctor yesterday. And, and he, and because he said that some of the things that I'm angry about, he was like, rightfully so. You have a right to be angry about this, this, and this. And but at the same time, he's like, but you, he said, we're all different. Everybody's different. Everybody has different thoughts, different actions, different beliefs. And 
And he reminded me again that I have to accept the differences, even if they don't accept me, you know, mm-hmm. the, these, these folks that I'm dealing with right now. And so it's, it's just, it's very challenging. And um, I, I, I can only imagine, I mean, I would love to just be Jesus and, and just feel love in every capacity <laughs> towards everyone all the time. I feel it's impossible. But, but he got angry. He got angry. Yeah, he got angry. He just didn't let that angry anger control him or stop him, Brenda. And I That's, think, yeah, go so, ahead. so the feeling you'll hear this tomorrow. Emotion, anger is an emotion. You'll never not feel angry. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Mm. It's what do I do when I feel anger? And yeah, it's, how do I behave when I feel angry? What's that anger about? Why am I angry? What's getting stirred up in me? That, you see, is what we can control. We can't control the feeling part of it. We can control what we do with it. True. And that I love the not stopping part because that I've gotten really good at. You know, because mm-hmm. before, if if I get angry, I mean, my whole day would just be blown. It's like, nope, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do school. I'm not going to do this. Forget it. I'll just go get a bottle of wine and wash it away mm-hmm. or a sure. gallon of ice cream, you know. But now, yeah. now, because I, I've got, well, especially with what the, kind of you having, I'm coming over. What, <laughs> ice cream? Yeah, ice cream. Zero. I'm not allowed any sugar <laughs> right oh, now man. at all before surgery. Um and I've got a purse full of chocolate from your mother. <laughs> I took, <laughs> I said, I'll eat it after the surgery. Well, after I heal. But um, the the thing is, is I, I, I did, even though I sit here and get upset with my steps or like feeling like I'm, you know, taking t- 10 steps forward and falling 20 back sometimes that I did recognize this week. I didn't stop. I didn't allow my anger or whatever was going mm-hmm. on to stop me from following through with the things that mm-hmm. I've. I'm already working on. So um, that part I had, I had to, I have to accept. I just hate that shaming stuff because it's, that gets in the way that self-shaming. Yeah. And so let me coach you. So what do you do when that self-shaming shows up? Tell me to shut the hell up. <laughs> I try. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. Our self-shaming Brenda is not helpful. No. Mm-mm. And it's really a lie. It's just not true. So just call it out for what it is. No, I'm I'm not. So part of stopping is when I allow myself to wallow in my shame. Yes. Yes. So if I wallow in my shame, I will get stopped. Absolutely. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tolerate it. Uh, so, so I can, so one of the, the tools in the toolbox is I can be curious. Yeah. And you know what else I can do? I can, I can say no to shame. I mean, the, the simplest and best way that helps me is shame is, is like a platter of cookies that gets offered to you just because it's offered doesn't mean you have to take it. I like that. I'm gonna have to write that down. Okay. 
I'm pretty yeah, sure you some... have to take the cookie. <laughs> because but, you, go, oh, go ahead. Well, it's 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 this idea we 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 think we're powerless against shame. We're not. I don't have to allow I don't have to allow my shame voice to overpower me. I don't have to take it. I don't have to receive it. I don't have to okay, it got offered. Yeah, and I no, it's just not true. Yeah, because w- once I give edge to it, it starts this horrible spinning anxiety oh, out of control. Oh yeah. Horrible, yeah. Horrible. Yeah. To the point I'm having yeah, you know, heart palpitations and yeah out and it's like and and, I'm, and i've been able to do it without even expressing it but but inward that that uh-huh. whole trembling just ugh, i hate so it. part part of the journey and one of the steps is okay okay yeah i'm learning i don't act out on my anger i'm doing better with that but then i then i feel the shame and i pile the shame on it okay second second tool in the toolbox is i'm saying no to shame when the cookie platter gets offered, I'm not taking one. When I when I, I when I'm tempted to beat myself up, when I'm tempted to to call myself names, when I'm I'm tempted to cuss myself, I'm not going to do that because it's not helpful and it's not accurate. It's good. I'll remember that. And I wish it I wish it was that easy. The cookies yeah. never taste as good as you think they will. It's always disappointing, right? So you go, I have right. to have this, and then you're like, why did I do that? Right. Oh, I keep eating. Now I have 10 cookies. Wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird. Well, yeah, I mean good. It's like it's like so I grew up in Texas. I grew up you know, where, okay, if you go over somebody's house and they offer you a platter of cookies, you must take one. You have to. I mean, that's just the polite thing to do, right? So so when the shame platter gets passed around, oh, I've got to take it. No, you don't have to take it. I don't have to let myself go there. I don't have to allow myself to, to be, I don't have to beat myself up. And I, I think I, I'm this has gotten really clear to me in the last couple of weeks, uh, Brenda. But there, there are all sorts of things that we that we shame ourselves around. Okay, so so I'm the executive director of Faith Walking. You'd think I'd have my you know what all together, right? I don't. I still have anxiety. I still get angry. Mm. And and so what do I do? I, I I know every tool in the toolbox. And so I start using the tools. Well, yeah, and, and what happens sometimes when, you know, you don't want to use the tools? I mean, I'm human. So so the, here's the point I'm trying to make. I don't I don't beat myself up for waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to sleep because I'm anxious. Mm. I'm glad I, you said that. I'm glad I you don't said beat that. My, I don't beat myself up. Okay. So so I don't allow myself to shame myself. Why? 
Do I know better? Sure I do. Do I have every tool that there is? Yes, I do. But I'm still a human being and I'm still on the journey and I'm imperfect. But I'm not taking the shame when the shame gets passed around. I want to encourage you to quit taking the shame. Well, thank you for sharing that because that was the one thing that I, I was even sharing with the doctor. I said, I just completed all of my faith walking, <laughs> all right. of it. And here sure. I am falling sure. apart. <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so there, our feelings are really powerful and sometimes they're so powerful. We can't do anything about them. I had lunch yesterday with a with a with a guy. He's completed all the faith walking stuff, and he lives with depression. Well, he should know better. Knowing better doesn't stop. See, I mean, yeah, okay, I, lots lots of things. I'm doing better. I'm managing anxiety so much better than I did 15 years ago. But it doesn't mean I, I don't have it ever or that it doesn't overwhelm me when I have it. Sometimes it still does. One of the things that I found particularly helpful concerning exchanging is um, I'm involved with internationals. And um, I think when I was very early in the days with faith walking, um, I, I think um, I, I think it was. I think it was it Ken that you, when you highlighted it, I was basically fused to Ahmed. I was running around, I was doing mm -hmm. this, I was doing that, and all sorts mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. um, I was over-functioning. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing was, Ahmed's behavior, apart from his anxiety, was perfectly normal within mm -hmm. his culture. Mm -hmm. So if you needed something sorting, you went to such and such an uncle, you went to such and such, and there were always people that were around. And um, I, what I had to, I got some advice, and what I had to say to Ahmed was, actually, uh, Ahmed, in this culture, this is what you need to do. I said, uh, there was a particular situation. He, he said, oh, John, you do it, you do it. And I said, mm -hmm. no, Ahmed. I'm not going to do it for you. Uh, that it stops. But mm -hmm. what I will do is I will coach you through this particular process. Mm -hmm. So he's now in a he's now in a British culture as opposed to his Eastern culture. And and one of the things I'm as I say I don't always get this right, but sometimes when I'm, when I'm in that time, I need to say no. This. You know, it's like old, we know the old man, you know, that is old behavior. That is not who Jesus sees me. That mm -hmm. is not how he sees me. He sees, he sees the new person that I am. And he's, so it's not that we're trying to sort of, uh, not trying to um, uh, fix the old person that I was. But I know that when I'm in the moment, I sometimes I feel I'm back, I'm back to square one. Because mm -hmm. this thing has come up again, but right. what I've what I've found is uh, I need to you know that is who I used to be. I'm not where I want to be, 
I'm right. still I'm still working on that. But hey, uh, this is, you know, I I am this new person, right? And I'm trying to reflect more on the new, um, and it's it's I'm better than I was with certain mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not I'm not where I want to be. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and but it, it, that transfer in culture really did help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good, John. Uh, the thing I'd like to add is, is that so all of us are on the journey and we're all growing as slow as it may seem sometimes in our emotional maturity, but we're still living life and there are still new challenges every day. There, there are new things that are making us anxious. There are new things that we're grieving. There are new things that trigger anger in us, and we have to manage them. And so just because I've made progress, yeah, maybe even I've made great progress in, in dealing with the issues that I've had along the way, and I'm not making good progress in dealing with the issues I've got right now. Yeah, because they're new issues. So life keeps moving forward. We don't get to just stop. All right, we're done. Good stuff. Good conversation. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining in. And uh, for those of you that will be joining tomorrow, I look forward to seeing you. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Definitely. Looking forward to it. All right. See you all. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider donating today at faithwalking.com. Visit our site for more workshops and courses available online. Thank you for listening.